All right. We are going to be talking for just a little bit today, and we are going to be reading from Luke chapter 7. Ashley has my notes, but I believe it's 36 through 47. 36 through 47? I can't hold it, so just take it. 36 through 47. I nailed that the first try, so that's we're in for a good night. Um, let's go ahead. If I'll give everybody a moment to get it open. All right. Luke chapter 7, verses 36 through 47. We're going to reference some other stuff um, that comes from some of the other Gospels a little bit later, but we're going to be mainly focusing and reading these verses tonight. Ashley is getting it posted for everybody in the comments, so I'm giving y'all, y'all got some extra minutes right here. Amen. Um, we'll go ahead and do some announcements while we're waiting on, waiting on Ashley here. Um, so, as of right now, start my new job tomorrow. Get my weekends back. Amen. All right. So, we are going to be doing some changes. We dropped down to one a month. I told you we we're going to go back to a month. We're going to delay that. We'll do, we're going to do four weeks from now. We'll come back and meet again, and then we'll start doing every two weeks. So, that puts us, let's see. Uh, February 26th, so pretty much starting March, we'll be on every two weeks, um, and we will post where the location will be at before then, but, all right, Ashley's good, are you all good, if you got it, say got it, if not, say hold up, I heard a lot of got it, so we're going to go, I can't hold it, just keep it right there, <laughs> put my notes on the chair, I guess. All right, let's go ahead. I, I said, y'all got it, and I put my phone up. That's got it, so. All right. And it says, one of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with expensive perfume. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. And her tears fell on his feet, and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet and putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, If this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Then Jesus answered his thoughts. Only God can answer your thoughts. Amen? You ain't even got to say them to Jesus. He already knows they're there. He says, Simon. Oh, we got a name. Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. I don't want Jesus to have to say I got something to say to you. Because I, I feel like that's, that's, the, that's the butt whooping coming right there. If Jesus got something to say to you, right? And he says, go ahead, teacher, Simon replied. Then Jesus told him this story. A man loaned money to two people, 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them both, canceling their debts. Who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered and said, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, Simon's home, 
Because remember, Simon invited Jesus in. He says, when I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust off, dust from my feet. Because you can imagine Jesus walking in sandals in the desert, okay? It's sandy. I don't know about y'all, I don't even like flip-flops at the beach, okay? I don't like the sand in between my toes. So Jesus is sitting there, and this is customary of their time to wash the dust off the feet as the guest comes in. Not only that, um, but she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. She didn't bring the water. She wasn't expecting that she would need to wash Jesus' feet, but she did it with her tears. She didn't bring something to dry the feet with, so she did it with her hair. Amen? It says, you didn't greet me with a kiss, but from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You, ne- you, you neglected the courtesy of olive oil to anoint my head, but she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. I tell you, her sins, and they are many, have been forgiven. So she has shown me, so she has shown me much love, but a person who is forgiven little shows only a little love. I want to talk to y'all for the brief, brief time of five hours tonight. Um, we will be here when it does get cold, okay? Um, we got extra, I don't know if we got that many extra bedrooms, but we got some extra bedrooms. Um, we'll, move in, we'll move inside about halfway through. But I want to talk to you about this title, Break It Open. Break It Open. And as I was preparing for this lesson, and Ashley helped me prepare, and let me tell you, if, if you know Ashley, you know what a rabbit hole is, as we call it. Because Ashley is OCD. And when you get her started on something, she goes down that rabbit hole. And I think about five hours of my day just disappeared yesterday. I don't know where it went, but I was there with her because every 30 minutes I got a phone call. She's like, well, what about this? I'm here. And I'm like, how did we even get here? How do we get here? The rabbit holes all connect, okay? But uh, we, we, were, we were talking about it, and I started thinking about this sacrifice. Because that's what we're going to talk about tonight. We're going to talk about sacrifice. And we started, I started thinking about um, a few years back. We didn't know Ashley's blood type. And it's important to know your blood type. And I knew mine. I'm O positive. In case you people wonder how many cars I get from the Red Cross, there's, there's a lot. Get a lot of emails from the Red Cross. But um, Ashley... We didn't know. So I said, it's important to know so that way if something happens to us, we can, we can find out if we can donate to each other. So we, we decide, well, the only way to get your blood type is to pay for it or to go donate to the Red Cross. So we're like, hey, there's a, there's a donation at Conway Medical Center where she was working at a time. So me and you will go donate together, and I'll, I'll go over on my lunch break. She goes over on her lunch break. Oh, she was done with work, sorry. It was when she was done with work. And we both get our blood taken at the same time. Now, I like getting my blood drawn. I love it. Absolutely love it. Because it's the one time I go to the doctor and I feel like I'm actually healthy. Because every time they stick me, they go, hey, you want to give two pints? I know you're scheduled for one, but we can get you in for two. You want to give two? It's like all my numbers look really good to them. So I'm like, oh, man, I'm fat on the outside. But on the inside, God's got me. Amen. <laughs> and I love I love going to hear that. Um, Ashley, however, um, if you don't know, her her God put her veins in a very secure location where hardly any needles can get to them. 
Um, and she comes out bruised and beaten after getting her blood drawn. Um, and she told me when they, you know, because they take you and they do the little exam, they stuck her finger and they said, oh, that number's a little low. And normally the number, if it's low, you can't donate. So they said, okay, well, we'll try the other arm. So they stick her again, the other finger on the other hand. Stick her again. That, that one was just enough. So they, it, was, it was one point enough, as Ashley's saying. Um, and that one point was enough for them to take Ashley's blood. And I have you know, I was first. I was first. I did my, did my job. I squeezed it out real quick and then, and then went and sat down, had my cookies and everything. I'm just waiting on Ashley. And I remember sitting there looking at Ashley. And she looked fine. She's sitting there playing on her phone, giving her blood. And I looked down at my phone. And I remember looking back up. And next thing I know, there's three people surrounding her, giving her rags, telling her to drink juice. And then they had tables that were raised. That's what you were sitting on, basically. And they come by. And I don't know if it was a spring action or, or what, but they pretty much dropped that thing and it went flat real quick. And I said, oh, my God. Well, I guess at least we're at the hospital. Um, but I have to go to back to work in like 15 minutes. And I remember, I remember calling Mama and going, hey, um, they dropped the table on Ashley. And she said, what do you mean? I said, she passed out so hard they dropped the table to get her to come back up. I said, you might need to come pick her up and drive her home. They still got they still got the blood. They still got the blood, and we found out she's O positive. So we're a great match. Um, I have I have plenty of blood, and she has none. So we're doing good. Um, so it made me think of that because just like the woman and Simon, both of them sacrificed, but in very largely different ways. To Ashley, that blood draw, the sacrifice of giving her blood to someone in need, was drastic to her. She didn't feel right for weeks, right? Weeks. She didn't feel right. And for me, I get my blood drawn and I go back and I have a normal day. <laughs> it's, no, it's no big deal. I think uh, the one time I gave two pints was the only time I ever felt like different after I gave blood. But to Ashley, that one pint is so much. Just to this woman, just as to this woman, washing Jesus' feet was so much to her. And when you start to think about it, we start to look at the perfume, right? Because everyone goes to the perfume. It's the expensive perfume. In some, in some of the other Gospels, it puts a value on that perfume. It's a, whole year's, it's a whole year's wage, which seems insane to me. To put that in our numbers, the average American makes, I, I Googled this yesterday, uh, $53,000 a year. $53,000 of perfume. Jesus, that's a, that's a faith trial right there for me, okay? If I had some $53,000 perfume, I don't know if I'd have it long enough for you to get here for me to put it on your feet. I'd be selling that bad boy real quick. We're going to pay off this house. Amen. Yeah, ointment, perfume, oil, yeah. And I started looking up. I was like, well, what, you know, what, what is the perfume? What is it made of? What made it so expensive? And in some of the other Gospels, they name it. I think Mark and John name it as nard or spike nard. And what spike nard was is the reason it was so expensive. It wasn't from Israel. It was shipped in from India. 
and this doesn't have planes. They didn't Amazon Prime it from India, okay? They, 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 they brought it, and they said, okay, and somebody probably on a camel walked those thousands of miles to get them this perfume, right? So somehow, this sinful woman, that's all we know about her, this sinful woman was able to afford this perfume. And so when you start looking into how in the world could she afford it? Well, perfume like this, especially expensive perfume for women, was given to them as an inheritance. Because women in these times, not like today, couldn't have jobs, couldn't own property, couldn't have anything. So basically, if you weren't married and you were a widow, it was up to your community to take care of you. That's why Jesus emphasizes so much to take care of the widows because that's the only people that could. They couldn't afford anything. You go read in, uh, in Ruth, Ruth and Naomi go through this exact thing of they have no man to take care of them, so they don't have ways to make money. They're, scra- they're scrounging for food so that way they can survive. So for this perfume, this inheritance was, okay, when you get married, if your husband dies, you at least have a whole year's wages to live off of for however long you can live off of it. And you got to imagine that she takes that, this inheritance, her 401k, y'all, her 401k, she, her retirement plan, and she says, Jesus is worth it. And she just takes it, doesn't question it, doesn't even know, like she hears that he's there. So she goes to the house. It doesn't say she was from the house or anything like that in this translation. It says that she was hearing that Jesus was coming. And so she gets that oil, and she breaks it open. She washes his feet with, with her tears. She dries them with her hair. And then she breaks open her 401k and just rubs the money all over Jesus. Because if we think about that way, it sounds a little bit worse, right? You think about taking, the money, taking your money and just going, here you go. None of us like to do that. Some of us don't even like tithe, Right? Or some of us don't want to give a percentage over our tithe, right? 10% is enough. Okay, I got bills to pay, Jesus. But to her, it was worth everything. And we don't know anything else about her that we can't, you know, that just comes straight from this text. We don't know anything else about her. We don't know why she would have done this, why she would have felt this way. But then on the other hand, we have Simon, the Pharisee. And Pharisees are the religious, uptight people that attend your churches, that want the tradition to be followed, that want to make sure that they check all the boxes. They want to make sure that when that, when that, uh, that, that clock dings, it's ready to go to the next class or to the next thing. They're the people that held on to that tradition so much that it became ritualistic and it no longer pleased God. And so... Jesus is making his way through town. And in this, you know, it happens in Luke chapter 7. Luke has 24 chapters, so we would assume this is early on in Jesus' ministry. But the event actually takes place at the end of Jesus' ministry. And so when this happens, Jesus is on his last leg. What do we know about Jesus' last leg? That the Pharisees wanted to kill Jesus, which makes Simon look a little bit different to us, right? Because it didn't say Jesus came to Simon's house. It wasn't a Zacchaeus thing where he said, I'm coming to have dinner with you. It says Simon invited Jesus there. 
So obviously Simon had some type of gratitude towards Jesus that we don't know from the text. But where Simon fell short was how far he went with that sacrifice. Because in Simon's mind, he's going, here's a man that the people in my group are plotting to kill very soon that I have at my house. Isn't that enough? Isn't that enough for me? This is social suicide for Simon. Because the Pharisees were not about hanging out with Jesus. Not at this point. They were about, if we're going to hang out with Jesus, we're going to come up with a plan to have him slip up. And Simon's just having dinner. He's just hanging out with Jesus, just talking. In fact, most translations uh, say that Jesus was reclining at the table. He was relaxed. This was not a stressful environment. And so Simon, in his mind, is probably thinking, that's all I need to do. That's the only thing I need to worry about is because I've already done so much that I brought this man who shouldn't be in my home into my home, and I've created an environment relaxed for him where he doesn't get that everywhere. But he fell short on everything else. He fell short on the customs that people in this time assumed were the natural thing because a welcome guest in the house had the, had the feet washed, had the anointing of the oil on the head, had the kiss on the cheek to greet them. I couldn't do that in Jesus' time. I'm sorry. I barely do hugs. I don't know about kissing, kissing on the cheek. But that was, that was normal for them, right? And so Simon was basically playing both sides of the fence. Okay, I want to please Jesus, but I also want to please my friends. Because I can please Jesus by inviting him into my home. And then when Jesus is out of my home, when my friends come to confront me about why was he there, why, why, were, why was he there in your house, I can say, well, he wasn't a welcome guest because I didn't do this, 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 and this. That was a welcome guest. He just showed up. He was already planning his story. Just like, you know, when your friends go, well, why were you at church? Why did you blow me off to go to some Christian concert? Why did you blow me off to go to church? What was the point in that? And a lot of us, especially when you first get saved, you want to play both sides of the fence. You want to play it down. I remember doing that in high school a lot. It's like, oh, yeah, I go to church. And they're like, oh, yeah, Damien goes to church. He sings work. And I'm like, no, I just go to church. That's Play it down, right? It wasn't the, the forefront of my identity in high school, I'll be honest, or middle school. But people knew that I did that, that I went to church three times a week. And so when they start talking about it, I was like, oh, yeah, I believe in Jesus. And that was about it. Wasn't going to go any further than I had to. I was a Simon in that scenario. I'll be honest. And so we see that Simon comes short of this so he can save his credibility. He can save his status. Because Pharisees were uptight religious people, but also they were well-known religious people. They were respected. They were the people that they were like, these people know the Bible. It's like when you go into a church, a new church or any church, and you see that person that is like just popping off stuff left and right, quoting Bible verses, you're like, that person knows what they're talking about. Right? It makes you want to kind of flock to them a little bit because you're like, I just want to hear what they have to say. And so for the Pharisees, that's kind of what this was. They were well-known religious people. So Jesus, who they're against, they didn't want to be around Jesus because they contra- he contradicted them. Contradicted them. I was struggling with that word a little bit. But Simon 
It's like, I want to be near him. I want to hear what he has to say. But I also don't want to do it in a way that's going to hurt me. I want to give Jesus the bare minimum of my time and of my life so that I don't have to worry about anything else. It's kind of like me when they ask me if I want to give two pints at the blood donation, right? A lot of times I'll say no because I've, I've got things to do. I, got, I mean, I got, I got to go. Even though it only takes like 15 minutes longer, maybe 20 minutes longer. I'm, no, I, I got stuff to do, right? And so we can measure these sacrifices. We can measure which one is more important. And it kind of goes along with our message from the new year of still giving more to God. I feel like that's the whole thing for this year is about giving more. And that doesn't just mean money. It just means more of yourself. Spending more time with Jesus. Finding what your more is and doing it. Digging a little deeper than what you did last year. And so our sacrifice is the same way. What are we willing to give to God this year that we didn't give him last year? For some of us, it may be 15 minutes of prayer in the morning where we didn't pray at all last year. Some people, it might be reading two chapters a day in your Bible instead of reading one. It may be coming to an extra service on Sunday night just because you feel like it, even if your church doesn't have one. It may be listening to sermons throughout the week. There's so many different things we can do to give more to Jesus. And so I want to I bring this to a close. I told you I wasn't going to keep you long, and the rain is still going at, a, at the house. So that way y'all, I can make sure y'all get at least a little bit wet for being out here, right? Um, <laughs> but I want to I put some background to our characters. I want to put some backgrounds to our woman without a name and to Simon, our Pharisee. Because it's not, sacrifice is one thing, but it's always important to understand why someone's willing to sacrifice it. That's why we enjoy testimonies in church, right? When you hear what God has done for someone, because the same promises that God does for someone else, he can do for us too. And so the woman, after a lot of research, when you put them together with all the other versions of this story, it says that this happens in Bethany, in three other Gospels, or two other Gospels. The same, similar story is record, recorded in all four. And in the other Gospels, they talk about the disciples saying she shouldn't have wasted the money because she could sell it and give it to the poor. And then Jesus tells them, don't talk to her like that because this will be remembered in every story of me. But one in particular, two say this at Bethany, and one in particular gives us a name. In John's version of the story, he gives the name to the woman Mary. In a town of Bethany with a sister named Martha, some of you may know where I'm going with this, and a brother named Lazarus. And so in John chapter, I think it's 14, I may be wrong, uh, 14, you find them, and Jesus is at their house around the table, and it tells them about, oh, he's, he's there with Lazarus, and he's there with Mary. And Mary cries on his feet and dries them with her hair and then anoints his feet. And so to us, we know a little bit about Mary. There's a couple stories about her. And if you start to connect the dots, you can understand why she felt so so convicted to give this amount of worship to God. Because as she's sitting at the table, 
with Simon, the Pharisee, who was also a leper in every other story. It was Simon the leper. And with Lazarus, her brother, you see that Mary, who was the woman who sat at the feet of Jesus, so intrigued to listen to him. And as she was so intrigued to listen to him, when Lazarus died and Jesus was late coming to him, Martha greets Jesus first, who's not even talked about in this story. Martha greets Jesus first and says, Lord, if you had came, he wouldn't have died. And Jesus basically says, well, I'm here now. And she said, you're right, Lord. And if you ask of it, he'll be made whole. Martha, the first person to ever admit that Jesus was the Messiah in the time that Lazarus dies. And then she goes and she's so happy that Jesus is finally here and she trusts that Jesus will do something. Now then, this is Martha who was too busy cleaning the house, okay? Martha who was too busy getting the house ready for Jesus rather than spending time with him. So don't take that away from her. But we want to take it right at this point. When she goes to get her sister Mary, the Mary who is so intrigued, so she's at church every single service. She is all into the worship. She's all into the word. That Mary, when she finds Jesus, she says, if you'd been here sooner, my brother would still be alive. And that's it. It says the Bible says that she says that. She doesn't give Jesus time to respond, and she goes back to mourning. And mourning in Jewish times was everyone came to you and mourned with you. So she goes back to her group of depression and settles there, even though the Savior, who she knows, was right there. And so when Jesus raises Lazarus from the dead, it's a miracle that no one else could believe. It's a miracle that no one else could understand. And it happens in the chapter right before this anointing. So you got to think about Mary. I'm going to take this chair for a second. You got to think about Mary sitting at this table with Jesus, Lazarus, and her father, Simon, most likely her father, the leper who was cleansed. And it's probably one of the first times that she's had all of them at the table. Because in those times, we know that lepers were kicked out of the city. They couldn't come in. A Pharisee leper, unclean, dirty, can't come into the city. Lazarus, her brother, was sick for a while before he died. And so she's probably sitting there thinking about those nights when neither of them were there. When Lazarus was dead, sitting at that same table, wishing Jesus was there so her brother wouldn't have died, wishing her father was healed so he could be there too. And she's sitting there and realizing that God's miracles still work. That the man that she sat in, that she sat with, and she listened to his teachings, to the, to the services that she would attend in our day, to the preaching she was so engaged in, and that moment became real. Because in that moment, she realized that not only is this man a prophet, because that's what everyone thought Jesus was, that he's the Messiah. He can do things that no one else can. He can do things that no one else can even fathom in your life. And in that moment when she's sitting there and she's looking around that table, she's like, I missed it. 
I missed it in that moment when Jesus came to the town four days late. I missed that he could do things that I didn't even know he could do. And so she's sitting there, and in that moment, she goes, this is everything I've wanted, everything I prayed for. And in that moment, it clicks that the reason all of it happened was because of the man sitting right next to her. And so in that moment, she says, I've got so much I need to give, but I don't have anything to give. So I'll take the most expensive thing I have, most likely the only thing I have other than clothes, and I'll give it to him. I'll take my tears and I'll dry myself of the water in my body to wash his feet with my tears. And then when his feet are wet, I'll make sure they're dry so they can receive the anointing I'm about to place on his feet just a few days before he dies. And so looking at that, we can finally understand why to her it was worth everything to her. I couldn't imagine giving my salary for a year to church or to Jesus. Could you imagine taking your entire paycheck for a year straight and putting it in the offering plate? That was basically what she was doing. It's not fathomable to us, but to her, in that moment, it was worth it. And so, as we go throughout these next four weeks before we meet again, and we focus on doing more and being more for God. Remember what God has done for you and ask him what he's worth. Because only you can answer that question. And if you start sitting there and you start praying, and you start thanking, God's for thing, thanking God for things in your life, he will bring to remembrance the things he's done that you didn't even know. He'll bring to remembrance when you prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed to have that table filled and go, look at it now. That's all I've got for tonight.